0: All right. Good evening. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Boston to Philly podcast. We're excited to have another episode going. It's your girl, Glory, with my beautiful co-host, Rosa.
1: And we're about
0: to just get into it. So we have Ari Avara from Boston with a firsthand account at the DMX funeral. So Avara, can you tell us, you know, what's good?
2: Yes, hello, I'm Ari, Boston native. Really excited to be here, to doing this podcast. Um, basically, so you guys wanted to know, like how, okay, so I'll start. DMX is the great, that's how I'm gonna start it off. Um, it's a blessing and an honor to be in the recent, recent future of my life and past and present affiliated with his team his manager, the CEO of Rough Riders, um, and their family. So I'll get to how I came to all of that in a minute. But basically, 10 years old, it was Tupac for me and DMX. I had absolutely all their projects that they ever released, ever created. Back in the day, it went from tapes to CD players. So they were literally like like my brothers, like um, family I didn't have, I, I was so, in love with the both of them as artists. Tupac in my head was like my, my future husband, and DMX was like, DMX is gonna be like my brother, like my homie, my goal in life was to meet the both of them. So um, the past four years as just an entertainer and an entrepreneur, I've just basically been traveling the United States. Um, I'm a poet first, so just doing poetry, um, networking. And long story short, I know a lot of great like Boston artists. So uh, my friend 40 bars had asked me and like, like early or late went this past winter, like if I could do something on one of her channels for her. So I said yes. And after that, um, DMX's manager had already just been close friends of mine and just watching me and things like that. But he told me that He wants like projects and things open up like they definitely want me to help them out in creating whether it's in the front in the back. It really doesn't matter. They have so much going on of new content to come in the future. And I was actually supposed to meet DMX like the end of spring, early summer this year. But, you know, you never know. Life is life is really a funny roller coaster. So basically I got connected to. DMX's manager um, and the general, that's what he goes by, Darren D. Dean, one of the CEOs. Um, after watching the verses, I don't know if you guys saw it, but they had versus DMX versus Snoop Dogg. And when I was basically just, I was just a super fan, but I had, think I, I don't know how many comments I made, which made DMX's manager actually find me on Instagram and start following me. So then I started following him just speed up time i see it in you know communication with both of them and and just great vibes great great understanding great building just waiting waiting for something to come about cuz covid hit the industry harder than it hit anyone there's no concerts it's hard to find money everything's legit online right now so if you weren't on like the roster if you weren't supposed to be doing anything a year back there's really everything standing still at this moment so once the gates open up I'm just excited, God willing, because that's what I like to say, because you never know what the future is going to hold, just the projects to come and working with them. So when DMX fell ill, I got like a direct text and, um, you know, it was his manager, you know, just informing me of what had happened. And that at the time they just needed, you know, the world to pray for him. And it kind of like, I don't know, it kind of, it took me, it took me out a little bit because I'm like, I always feel like everything's so personal. I'm like, all the ones I genuinely love leave leave here before I'm actually able to meet them in flesh. So now I have to wait.
1: Yeah. So when you were meeting DMX and you were going through this, what was one song that like really impacted you, you know, that like really like was like, this is like the greatest about this is the goat that I want to be and be with?
2: one more road to cross like that that is my anthem like i could i could I, I can just hear it i can hear it you know what i mean like his his passion his pain mm. i could I, it resonated with my whole life you know what i mean like like all my life i was just i just wanted to say hi to him you know so i think his manager understood that and so he's like we're gonna put you on the list to at least say goodbye to him and so it's all just been really surreal because you go you go from being a fan to being now behind the scenes with the stars. you know what I mean? So it's all just like, wow, I'm an amazing manifester. like I, I wrote this down. i I've been thinking about this for almost twenty years. you know what I'm saying, And now I'm watching it all come come into play. So it's it's been an amazing ride, but it, it's 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 a lot. it's it's a lot.
1: And it's kind of sad because right as you were, getting to that point where you were actualizing yeah passes away like what was your initial feeling when you when you got that news
2: um but I don't want to cry I was I was heartbroken um because I literally have dreams I'm so vivid in my visions like of actually being able to meet him so it was like it was just like a blow to my heart. I'm like, all I wanted my whole entire life was a picture with this man, like super fan, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. So to see and to be at his funeral and to, and to process it all, I did have a time of just like mourning his loss because it's such a great one. You know what I mean? Like, we really think that we're immortal as humans down here. We really think we have forever. And then all of a sudden our plans, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what we plan. You know what I mean? You just don't know what the future holds. So it, it, it's been hard. I'm still really processing, you know, like. How did you feel when
1: out? like the media made it seem like he died from an overdose? Like, cause I know that that kind of took me by shock and I had to like do some research and then it came out that right. that's not really like, why he right. was in here. And then they were like, oh, he's awake. Oh, he's it's like an emotional roller coaster oh, Yeah.
2: Um, it was, it was a lot because like I said, I was getting firsthand like information from the people, basically like his family. And so to to hear what the media was saying was really heartbreaking, honestly. And it's like to me, they always try to to, to kick to kick the legend, especially the legends of color. They try to kick them while they're down. You know what I mean? Like, we all we all know what and how DMX led his life. Like, once he is no longer in 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 his body anymore, none of that really matters. You know? I think it was very disrespectful. I was also highly upset with Irv Gotti. Irv Gotti basically shamed his name on Hollywood Unlocked. I directly went to his page. Like, you know, he would he would have never said anything negative about you had it been you you know what I mean like you are you are really low for what you did you know what I mean and, and honestly you're a fake friend and that was nothing but jealousy because pe- anybody- a lot of people
1: say that about Erv Gotti though that's not the first time I've heard no. some like fake I'm also in the industry so girl I know like it's not the first yeah. time we've heard that Irv Gotti is like downed his own folks like yeah
2: like a whole like it's just I'm like, if I ever see that man, because I'm big on like out of the matrix. Like, I'll catch you on the corner in real life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not you said about catch to, me
1: outside. How about how
2: that? about that? Okay, I'm not about to type war you. I'm not about to keep adding you. None of that. Like, if I see you, you you will understand on 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 what you've done. Like those words brought me to tears at his funeral. Like, how dare you try to shame the greatest of all times? Are you mad? Because Murder, Inc. was poop, you know what I'm saying? And you guys flopped long time ago. Are you mad that the world loves this man worldwide, shore to shore, c to c Are you mad that they're the biggest gang? They're bigger than the police? Like what? State to state, worldwide? You know, it's crazy.
0: So let's have a listen from the audience. We have Ariana.
3: Hi, so I just wanted to express um, how I feel about the whole DMX situation. Um, DMX, really, his music, Tupac as well, girl, I hear you. All the rap music I was raised on is, it seems like everybody's everybody's dying out. And it, it just seems like it doesn't stop. It's really hard to to bring back you know good old rap like not old you know what I mean but like rap that had meaning rap that had power and DMX, Tupac, Biggie all of them had that soul you know what I mean? Yeah. And my mom raised me on the good music I'm not listening to whatever these kids are listening to nowadays. You <laughs> exactly. It raised me good and rap is so poetic. Rap has so much meaning and this situation was such a big shock to me. I pulled up my Twitter and I saw that and I was like, yikes. I like, I saw that he was on life support. And that's when I was like, no, there's no way. There's no way he's no way. And when it happened, it was the biggest shock. Probably in the last five years, as far as celebrity deaths go, that one hurt me and my family sincerely. That was awful. But yeah, he'll be missed
2: definitely rock writers for life back gang gang how
0: did you all feel when they prematurely said that dmx had passed
2: i knew i knew that that it was his health was declining at that point in time so it's really i knew there was only a matter of minutes or days But it was just I had to actually tap out of the matrix because I don't like people playing with my emotional state or um, just, you know, thinking that they have the right news. And it gets it gets hectic when you're dealing with superstars. So I really chimed out of just listening to what was the media had to say at that point. It was just it was just all too much for me.
0: Understood. So um, being in the atmosphere of like the funeral and everything. Would you say it felt more celebratory? Was it like a morning type of aura? Like how was the ambiance within the
1: place?
2: It was. It was beautiful. I went to um, the Barclays Center. That's where um, Kanye performed. Nas spoke. The Rough Riders all spoke their piece. Um, watching his casket being brought up and and Kanye did an amazing performance i must say as well um the vibe was the vibe was definitely like a roller coaster because you they're blasting his music so you feel like this is this is the club you know what i mean like this is a concert you're you're kind of expecting dmx and then you realize like dmx is actually in his beautiful red shiny coffin you know what i mean so it was it was it was it was bitter it was sweet it was it was powerful. It was extremely sad. It was like an oxymoron. It was so many emotions at different times of, of of the event. It was it was hard. It was hard.
1: You know, in New Orleans, where I lived for five years, they have when people die, they have second lines and they celebrate the life. And while people are sad, and of course, there's tears, there's also just mm-hmm. like almost a jubilee to celebrate the life that they had. And as I watched like these videos of the streets of Brooklyn, right, yeah. it was in Brooklyn, just um, just so alive for the first time in almost a year, right? I, yeah. We've been watching protests and we've been watching police brutality yeah. and to see everybody come together, it just reminded me of the impact that this man had on yeah. so many people he never knew. And yeah. it's- it was very moving even the moment where his ex-wife you know reached out to um I can't remember her name um his current fiance yeah the know, fiance. it was so moving it, there, was yeah, no negative, it- there was no negative there wasn't any negativity it was just all like let's just love each other because we all know we're hurting right. but we're gonna we're gonna be supportive and I think that that was really a beautiful moment for our whole world to watch yeah.
2: no it was it was it was it was it was heavy. I was, I was literally, I, I'm still kind of just recuperating from the travel to New York. It was very draining. You know what I mean? Like funerals, all the energy. I I, I think I'm still trying to catch up. Honestly, I've been, I've been exhausted. It's been, it's been, it's been, I, my heart goes out to my friends. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just been really hard. Like Darren and Wah and Siobhan, all the Rough Riders, like, like, they're all still very much in the mourning process, it's so new, you know?
0: Wow, thank you so much for being open to to giving us like the first inside scoop. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there anything that you would say to DMX fans that are still coping with his passing?
2: That he had ultimate faith in God, that he was really a warrior for the Lord and even though you know he battled shadows which we all do in being human right we all do he, yeah he 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 just really loved us all that's that's what i i understand and understand and i know that he's he's really still with us all because legends i'm grateful that they really do never die and eventually we will all meet him again on our journey in our path i just say blast his music keep him in your hearts pray for the rough riders and his family that that they just get strength and encouragement every day because it's it's gonna be a long road. You you miss them until you return home. So right.
0: thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes. So this brings our first segment to a close. Thank you so much to our special guest. Thank you. Yeah. We're so happy to have you.
1: Yes. Thank you. And thank you for sharing. It's emotional, but it's powerful and it needs to be heard. So thanks for coming and thanks for the words from the audience. Uh,
2: feel the train.
0: They it all right so fun fact philadelphia rough riders were featured in boston to philly there was a scene shot at their headquarters so fun fact for you all
1: <laughs> yeah the scene where area Rab is which is what we're about to talk about is their headquarters that is super cool the philadelphia movement and how the philadelphia ties It's crazy how, you know, there were all these top level Philly artists looking to be the role of Big P, you know, Mm -hmm. that's something I didn't know until, you know, we die we dove deeper. Um, You want to talk a little bit about those top three that that were in the running?
0: yeah so let's go ahead and let the people know major spoiler alert for this episode so if you haven't watched the movie you might want to skirt skirt and then come back okay <laughs> i was about to get juicy <laughs> yeah so now this is important to know um and the real life true legend of the role big p um when boston to philly was being made everyone wanted in um who found out about it after the kickoff party made headlines on social scene in the city now the producer of the movie boston had to go through some wild roads to make sure he pitched them all in person to make sure they found out about it but once he did they all wanted to act in the film they read the script heard the story and it was on so eventually it came down to these three bona fide stars in philadelphia So, Rosa, tell us about, you know, the three, the big three that wanted to go for Big P.
1: Okay, I like the way that sounds. Big three for Big P. So, obviously, A.R. Rab ended up securing the role for Big P. But we have two other Philly superstars that were going for the role. First of all, Philly Freeway. Okay? And then Gilly the King. Okay? These are two people from Philly that we consider legends. I consider legends. I go around these guys, and I can't say anything. I just soak up all the knowledge. So it's really crazy to um, personally to know that they were in the running for this because honestly, I can't see Gilly playing the role of Big P. Gilly is funny. He's a jokester when he's around. Like, I don't think I've ever seen Gilly be serious in real life, like get mad at somebody like he's always kidding around. Like you're in the studio, he's throwing the basketball. You're like, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to record here. But like, you know, I couldn't see him do it. I think, personally, A.R. definitely, like, played the part better than any of the other two could just because of his, like, stature. stature. and Like, the way he, <laughs> like, he got The stature, character. right. <laughs> I'm he just was, like, yeah, like,
0: the big P type of thing is just, like, big P. The other, you know, the other two, um, Gilly the Kid and Philly Freeway, they were, like, you know, on the smaller side, like, not to take away from their you know, their extensive resume and repertoire, but it's just like big P like ARAB just looked like that's my role, like that's mine. Um, Ariana, let's have some input from you.
3: So um, the other two, Gilly the Kid and Philly Freeway, I have actually, um, I haven't heard of, so I did some research on them and I completely agree with you, Rosa. They both both seem like the role might've just not been for them. Arab seemed to just jump into it and give it his best shot and show what it was to be a strong, you know, a strong black man. And, you know, you have to show you. He was so he was so ready to take on that character that I was blown away by it when when I watched the movie.
1: So when Boston to Philly first went public, they had a huge kickoff party where Philly, Mia Mendez, was actually there. And so people of the city got to meet Mia Mendez, who actually has ties to Meek Mill, Jamal Hill from the classic movie Streets. And so it was this huge star-studded event. And it was almost crazy that it could have had these other two stars, Gilly the Kid and Philly Freeway, but it ended up in A.R.A.B.'s lap.
0: Right. So who is the better actor for the role? We have Gilly the Kid, we have Philadelphia Freeway and A.R.A.B. So a little snippet on Gilly. Gilly signed a $3 million deal with Barstools to host the podcast. Um, he's $1 million over of games, baby. Yeah. Gilly is also an actor and producer for movies Blood Brother and Caged Animals.
1: He also wrote for Lil Wayne. Let's, let's, let's give right. him his, his flowers.
0: Right. Got to give him their flowers while they're here. So yes, okay. like? can, you, can you tell us a bit about ARAB and Philly Freeway?
1: So, AR Rab is from OBH, uh, which is a music group, which is also labeled as a gang right now in Philadelphia. AR Rab just went to jail and got sentenced for 45 years, which they are appealing. But AR Rab was a musician, he's a rapper, he really does give back to the community as well. He's a role model to a lot of the people in Philadelphia and all over the world, Kevin Gates blasts his music, Lil Wayne blasts his music. So he's also an entertainer and musician and so it's Philly Freeway. So Philly Freeway is another really world famous rapper who's worked with Roc Nation and Jay-Z and it's just such a immense opportunity to have any of these three guys in the movie. You know, Freeway is still active in Philly culture. Philly's still active in Philly culture. ARAB still active in Philly culture and the news. So it's it really is a hard decision. But for me, it was quite clear that the role belonged to ARAB. And as Shekinah said, it felt directly in his lap on purpose. Like when he punched Boston in the face. Can yeah, you was imagine like, Philly Freeway? Hudson right. in the face, like no, freeway right. don't do it Agreed, and freeway so I just like hella in community service. I don't know. I'd be like, what? definitely. Um, I
0: wanted to hit on that. Um, I found out that freeway um actually has like a foundation or something. Um. So he has founded Freedom Thinkers Academy, music health and mm-hmm. education division. So he's yeah. really in like the philanthropic thra- philo- thro- spell check or word check me um, move right now. <laughs> um, I also yes. didn't know that he had a battle with uh, kidney, kidney issues as well. Yeah. Um, so I saw that, but um, so initially Boston didn't know who to choose cause he loved them all. And he had to pick one. He ended up going with Freeway at first because he agreed. But then the day of filming, Freeway had a freak accident and hurt his back. Oh my and so he was out. Then came Gilly the Kid, who agreed to do it. But the timing was off. And then ARAB came in and swooped it up. And the rest was history. An iconic film was made.
1: Yes, it was. And I think that energy was perfectly perf- performed. He encompassed the role. Now, how about a note from our audience on who you think should have played Big P and if it was played correctly?
3: Um, so honestly, I feel like Arab portrayed this role so well. There was a lot of shocking moments that he he showed um, aside that we didn't expect, you know, just a little bit. Um, from what you're explaining, the other two, I... I I've done a little bit of research on them. And from what I can see, this might've been fate for ARF. Like this might've been something that he
1: didn't expect,
3: but when it came, it was a true blessing. You know what I mean?
1: And it's the only movie he's in and he's sentenced to 45 years in jail. So it's like, this was an opportunity of a lifetime for him right now. And you never know what's going to happen. I hope he wins his appeal, but if he does it, then, you know, it's, it's almost like a glimpse into who he was at that snapshot in time and who he got to be and the opportunity that was really in front of him. Um, that he seized. He seized it, he did it well. He's an actor and he made me believe him. I, I was shook. I was like, ARab
0: I I was thinking that it's just like funny how the universe works because we had these guys casted and like freak things happened. One was in like a freak accident and then it was pitched to like the um, other guy and the timing was off. And so then it just like fell to A.R. and he just represented big P like to a T. Like he did what he came to yeah. do. So I feel like it rightfully fell into the place where A.R. should have had that role and he represented it very well, top notch. Yes, well, it seems like we all have a general consensus. We are Team ARAB for Big P. So, shout out to ARAB for executing that role just immaculately, wonderfully. Um, I have no complaints. He killed train. that role. Um, so, yes, this brings us to a close for this segment. And we're just going to expeditiously move to the next. Feel the train okay so we got a juicy juicy question <laughs> juicy, which is juicy again uh spoiler alert spoiler alert all right so the question and question is should philly have told jared about boston why or why
1: not let's now hear from the Story: jared yep. is philly's kind of boyfriend who is now paralyzed and like he's been injured in an accident. He's not very, he can't use his speech. He's needing to be fed and taken care of, put in the bathroom. So he's immobile. Um, he's in a wheelchair and he needs 24 seven care. With that being said to the audience.
3: (laughs) So, um, while I was watching this movie, um, I did feel like in the beginning Philly was definitely hiding something from everybody, obviously. And when I saw the the reasoning, the 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 you know a little bit of shadiness behind it, when when I saw the reasoning behind that and when I saw Jared, it struck a it struck a nerve in my heart because I think about what would I do in that situation? If my fiance right now went through something like that, what would I do? How would I benefit from the situation? And it's really hard to think about because I do have people who are in relationships just because of pity. And that's not something the relationship is supposed to be about. You know what I mean? So the fact that this, I think that Philly should have pulled him off the bat. I think she should have gotten herself out of the situation. I feel like if you are already feeling a different kind of emotion for somebody else, then you're not feeling the same emotions that you felt for that other person, you know, a month or two ago. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So what do you constitute as cheating?
3: Um, I don't know if I necessarily constitute what she did as cheating. I mean, I, I agree. She was being a little sneaky about the situation. Um, I think anything without the other person's, you know, knowledge, I feel like that is, Kind of just, if it's not cheating, it's definitely sneaky behavior that nobody should have to tolerate. Even if he is going through this situation, you know, I understand that pity was a big, was a big reason she was staying and she felt Mm -hmm. guilty for the situation. But I don't think you should ever stay with somebody unless you're getting something out of the relationship as well.
1: It's also kind of apparent because when he proposes she runs out and goes to her car she doesn't say yes, and then he gets hit you know he gets in the accident and it's like oh like so she's technically never gave him an answer and then when she does go to see ARM right you know it's kind of like he's like she hasn't been here in a while so it's almost like I personally don't think she had any obligation to tell him because he's not obviously able to be a partner to her. Like she still wants to care for him, she still wants to you know communicate with him, but she's in school, she's a young woman and it's like she obviously didn't say yes to your proposal in the first place, so it's like why do we why do we make it so that women have to do this? And I don't think I don't think that she owed him anything and she went above and beyond to help him understand where she's going like the heart wants what it wants and you know that's kind of Mia Mendes's way of really having that emotional pull to us and bringing our emotions you know like we were like okay why is she blowing off Boston when they have this chemistry and then it's like oh this is a hard problem like what would you do So how
0: are we feeling about Rome initiating um, going out with Philly when they run into each other um, in the subway and they go on that adventure? How do we feel about that? Should she have obliged or (laughs) should she have like stood on her feet and been like, no, like it's not happening.
1: First of all, I don't like when men follow me ever, like, that first is like it's intimidating as a woman when someone's following you and so the fact that she even like gave him the the time of day kind of shook me I was like oh snap but I I was talking about earlier that chemistry that you have with a person sometimes it's just deeper than all the other things that are going on around you and she really like she made it clear that she didn't want to talk to him. And he put out that like suave. suave, yes. And yeah. I was wondering like, why is she pulling away? Oh, I have a boyfriend. I say that to guys all the time. I do not have a boyfriend. I say that to get away. So at first I thought it was like, kind of like, Oh, like she's just not trying to talk to him. She's, you know, dedicated. And then when we find out like what's really going on, I was like, wow. Like, I don't know what I would do, man. How about from our audience? Yeah,
3: so I honestly feel like um, if I was in the situation of Philly, you know, just minding my own business, um, you know, maybe having some emotional time in the subway or wherever I decide to be, um, I I know the feeling of love at first sight. I really do. But it seems like she was pulling away from it for a very long time, Um, obviously, as you can see. And we can see that when Rome finally puts his foot down and he's like, forget it, I'm, I'm coming to your house. Like, I'm coming and I'm seeing what's going on. And that's when A.R.F. decides to, <laughs> well, Big P decides to, you know, to do whatever wow. he does. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um,
3: but for him to go to such depths and for him to go and, you know, sacrifice himself like that just to show this girl that he does, care about her it makes me get a little frustrated with Philly because why are you being so hard-headed you know what your heart wants you know what you need as a person as a female this obviously isn't working for you so go to a different situation you know
1: and be honest about it like that's what frustrated me the most I think is that she hid it and I that's my biggest pet peeve in relationships like don't hide something from me. I'm not gonna get mad at you just be honest about who you are and what's going on Boston just lost his parents, Boston would understand. And she didn't even give him the opportunity to understand because she prejudged him. And was like, No, like, you're not going to understand this. And that's like, that's frustrating as like, somebody who's also lost people. And I'm, I don't I'm not saying I'm looking for love. But like, if it comes down my doorstep, I'm not going to deny it. And sometimes like you were saying earlier, like, people deny themselves of true happiness because they feel obligated to do certain things. And that's a societal standard. Like you feel obligated to take care of somebody else, but it's really not your obligation to take care of anybody, but you first.
0: I feel like that, but it's easier said than done. Um, and it's just like, Part of me, like it was just like an emotional roller coaster watching all of that because it was just like evidently she wasn't happy with her situation with her boyfriend in the first place because she wouldn't have gone on the little journey with um Boston in the first place. Like clearly there was something wrong at home. Like their paradise was broken. So just like at one point I'm just like, okay. All right. Like I'm feeling this. I like it. But then I'm just like, ooh, but it's just like now you've allowed yourself to like open a can of worms because now the tension is going to start building because you're catching feelings for Boston. And I think I definitely think that she should have told her boyfriend what was going on. I know that we have like the statement that like she shouldn't be obligated to. But I don't know. Like I'm just thinking about myself. Like I would want to know. I don't want to be out here like looking stupid. Like you need to mm-hmm. let me know that you got a, like you caught feelings for somebody else. So that way, like I can mentally prepare or do what I have to do so that like the heartbreak won't be as bad. Or we're praying that it's not going to be as bad. I really do think that she should have been more open. But it's easier said than done. You don't know what you're going to do until you're in that situation.
1: It's tough, and he it's took hard. it hard. Her boyfriend took it hard. He was you know he's nonverbal, verbal but he was just broken and upset and he had just proposed to her before his acting he was he was just so, so distraught by this by this pain of watching the woman that he loves love someone else. Ariana,
0: I also have a question. with the proposals and everything a lot of women have been getting bold with telling their significant other no So my question is, should men publicly propose to their want to be fiance? Is that a risk that they should take? Or should that be done privately?
1: We Mariana. can go to the audience
3: first. Mm. Um, yeah, so about that, I am first of all, I'm very proud of women for saying no and not feeling like they are obligated to do anything for men, or for any other person. I, I'm very happy that Women are finally sticking up for themselves in that sense. If you're not happy, you leave, you know? Um, honestly, my my engagement was very private. Like, since COVID happened, like, he he dropped to one knee when the ball dropped on, on New Year's. And it was in our house. It was just the two of us. That was perfect. If he would have done it in public, I would have probably had too many emotions. I would have mm-hmm. probably acted like Philly in that situation in a lot of ways because, even if somebody at Texas roadhouse is like, Hey, it's her birthday and I have to get on the saddle. I'm like, no, I can't do it. And I'll cry. (laughs) Like I, I have too many, I have too many emotions to be able to do it in public, but more power to the people who do, who have the guts to do it in public.
1: That's the thing is honestly, I don't think you should be proposing to someone if you don't know how they like it. And this is a talk about, people's love languages. There's this really great book called The Five Love Languages. And it talks about how people, different people like to be loved differently. Like me, please propose in public, nice big scene. I want the, the dancers to pop out of everywhere. I want the fireworks. I want the bottle of champagne. I don't even care how big the ring is, but I'm a big girl, so bigger is better. Okay. But not everybody is the same. And if you haven't had a conversation about marriage with someone, you shouldn't be marrying them. Okay. Like, and that's a huge problem for women these days. We don't, we don't want to say, we don't want to say no to hurt somebody's feelings. We don't want to say no because of all these reasons. So if you're not having this dialogue with someone, you shouldn't be proposing regardless, whether you're a woman, a man, a they, a them, a him, a her, don't propose to somebody unless you know what they want, because that would, that would just, you know, eradicate the entire issue. You'd know that they want to get married. You'd know their ring size. And you know what they want. And with that, it's like common sense to me. Just ask a question of your partner. All
0: right. So I think I kind of have to play the devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. And you know, possibly Sai was saying that Philly shouldn't have told her boyfriend about the situation. Um only because it's just like, who's to say that he wasn't out there doing his dirt as well? And it might sound like a little messy, but it's just like, something seemed not right about their relationship. She wasn't happy. We didn't get too much context. So it's just like, who's to say that he wasn't out there talking to another shawty? Or, you know, he was having his cakey eating it too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so what
1: do y'all think? He was paralyzed. <laughs> you mean before the accident? Or yeah, accident before accident? that. <laughs> before- he was oh, yeah. See, that's the thing. The way she ran away from him made me feel like she don't need to tell him anything. Because when she ran away from him when he proposed, it was like to me, like if somebody proposes to me, I'm like, yes, oh my god, I love you. Because otherwise, you shouldn't be proposing to me. You know what I'm saying? So, like that to me showed me that she she was cutting it off there. And kind of like what our our audience member was talking about, it was pity. Like she stayed for pity. So like she, I don't, I don't think she all the way owed him anything. I think it was kind of her to give it to him to give him an explanation. But I don't know. What do you think, audience?
3: Um, from both sides here, I can kind of see what what's going on. Yeah, I did say the whole thing about you know somebody staying in a relationship strictly for pity. And, you know, honestly, I've been there, done that. I feel as though relationships nowadays have been, you know, blocked by communication and things like that. So I feel like we don't know the whole backstory on Jared. Um, I feel like you can't really judge a book by its cover. There might be some things that she didn't want to tell because maybe his brother was going to get in- involved. Maybe Big P was going to get involved. You know, it's it's one of those things that you can't really say what you would do unless you were experiencing it. Unless you were in the middle of it. You know what I mean? And I think Mia Mendez did a great job at portraying this this emotion, you could tell that there was even maybe some empathy in her role. And honestly, I I feel like I empathize with that character. I feel like we can all empathize with that character, giving giving consent to something that we didn't really want to stay in, giving, giving consent to something that we really did not need to. And as women, we feel like we're supposed to bow down and, you know with our husband fiance whatever but we we really don't we don't we don't need to anymore and I'm I'm glad that women are taking a stand I'm glad that Philly did tell but I do see the opposing side as to maybe not telling Jared trying to keep that normalcy alive just a little bit um and that's that's a situation that I can totally relate to
0: So I have a hypothetical quick question. So if you're out with your significant other and they get hit in the head by like a flying brick, they lose a bit of their brain cells and they lose like ability in the left side of their body. Are you going to stay with them or are you going to leave them because you want to be with someone that matches you fully physically?
1: What would you do? Is polygamy an option here? Because at this point, (laughs) at this point. If you really love me, you're gonna want what's what's good for me, too. Like you're not gonna want me to live the rest of my life not having somebody to talk to, right? So I think that, yeah, um, I would leave. would If you weren't comfortable with me being with somebody else, at the same time, I would leave. like I would have I would always be your friend. I'm a great friend, and I think that every good relationship starts with a foundation of friendship okay and real friendship never dies unless you do some sneaky snaky stuff right but i honestly believe that she did the right thing she she followed her heart
0: yeah definitely i feel like it's just a communication thing and i feel like
1: this generation and communication there's a
0: disconnect
1: there is something to be said about the fact that philly telling jared about boston imposes more trauma upon him right He can't say anything back. He can do anything about it. He can't fight for his relationship. He just has to sit there and take it. Sit there and watch the woman that he loves go sleep and love somebody else. So yeah, maybe Philly could have not told him and hid it from him and just came and visited and and really made his life a little easier because telling him definitely caused him trauma. It hurt him. You see him just beyond and besides himself when she says it, when she says, I met somebody else, he starts crying. And this, you know, in society to see a man cry, men often feel like they can't cry. How about you? What do you, what do you think? I
3: think that, um, honestly, that her, her telling Jared may have been a very big, um, a big step in what she what she felt like she should have done but i just want to real quick say that the actor who played jared really covered all his bases when it came to that role he had no lines well you know in the beginning in in the beginning of the relationship he did but he you could see his emotion just come out of his body he he looked like he was in real, like not only physical pain, but like very emotional, mental pain. And I can tell how it hurt him. But honest, but honestly, I feel like he was he was definitely better off ler- uh, learning as opposed to hiding it. And then he find out another way, whether Big P tells him or somebody else. And I'm surprised, Big
1: P. Right, Big P, Big P did punch him in the face. Did punch Boston in the face. So yeah. eventually, if Philly didn't do it, right, Big P, I don't even know how Boston got the address number one to this spot. But number two, if he did tell him, then it's almost like a sense of betrayal. But it's still like I think Philly could have preserved his mental well-being or at least a little longer. You know maybe have a little spot of compassion for the guy that just got in a severe accident. Um, there's just two
0: quotes that come to my mind. I'm really torn on this whole topic, but um, what you don't know won't hurt you. And the truth will always come to the light. So it's just like, yeah, playing the devil's advocate. If he didn't know about it, he could, you know, have some peace of mind, not have to think about, you know, what his girlfriend is potentially doing or what she had done. But then it's just like, I really do believe that the truth does come to the light. So if he didn't hear from the horse's mouth, somehow, some way he would have found out and it could have like potentially just been even more disastrous because he didn't find out from his lover. He found out from another source. So again, it's the, that battle between what you don't know won't kill you, what you don't know won't hurt you or the truth will eventually come to the light
1: so with that being said we're gonna close out this segment but i think what we can all agree on is everybody is different so make sure you have this communication in your relationships or you're gonna end up running away from an engagement proposal like, okay Yo. Yo. Oh, feel the train okay y'all so let's talk about the fact that texas wants to make it a law that you don't need a permit to carry a weapon in public and what this means for the future of texas and the rest of our country if everyone is carrying a gun without a license on the street deep in the heart of texas um it's not absent for me
0: (laughs) i'm like at this point can megan the stallion be governor or sandy cheeks from spongebob be governor because it's a lot going on with texas right now
1: um been a lot going on with texas they needed to let them secede from the union and and go when they wanted to go goodbye
0: (sighs) it's it's tricky because it's just like basically people that could not have guns in the first place now will have access to them and i don't know under what parameters they're gonna fall under but i feel like more crazies will end up with guns and there will be more murder
1: like don't we want gun control to get more effective not less effective like to be honest like there's supposed to be mental health checks for every person that gets a weapon like and that's especially in Texas not happening. And it's like, aren't we wanting these mass murderers and these mass murders in schools and churches and all these people that are dying because of guns to stop, not continue? People aren't dying from getting killed on the street at the level they are getting mass murdered. Our country is like number one in mass murders. Like, like we, how many have we had in 2021 alone? Aimed at minority groups, the Asian church, right? The the nail salons, like, just it's just mind blowing that people could think that adding guns to the situation would fix anything that's going on. It's like they want to flex their ability to point guns in in people's faces. Like, I can kill you if I want to because I stand your ground.
0: Right. Let's hear from the audience, Ariana. What input do you have for us?
3: All right, so um, living around my area, I have no—I have seen a lot of, you know, guns and hunting and fishing and yee and all of that. You know what I mean? Um, and honestly, I feel like guns, even around here, have been um, becoming more and more of an issue. Um, back in back in when I was in school, I actually lost a friend to a, a, an issue with a gun, and I just feel like there's a lot of people who are struggling to realize the effects that this second amendment really does have on the rest of the United States on the Sandy hook survivors on the parents on, you know, starting all the way back in Columbine, like guns have always been a big issue. They are meant to be here in case we need to overthrow the government or whatever, but yet we are using it as some sort of power trip. I do not know what we're getting out of, you know, having a little pew pew in our pocket. Like it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever.
1: I appreciate what you said about losing a friend to a gun. My freshman year of high school, my friend maybe rest in peace, shot himself in the head with his parents gun that was unlocked in the suburbs of Philadelphia. That's really the exact same
3: situation I had. That's really the exact same situation except I was in sixth grade
1: dang. And it's just like, it's just like, why? Like England has no guns. Their cops don't carry guns. And yes, they have higher amounts of stabbings, right? But you can't stab 500 people to death at once. You can't stab 20 people to death at once. But with an automatic rifle, you can kill all these people. Okay. And it's like nobody, it's like heartlessness like this. Oh, if you're in America, you can be the American dream and we should have these rights to do all these things but there's about time that we admit that the America that everybody thinks is there is not there. This America is not here. Nobody has privileged off this America, but white people, especially white men. And it's about time that we tell them it's time to stop. Like we are the majority, the women, look at us three women, we are the majority. And we're, it's about time we stop, we stop these men from controlling and these crazy white women uh, from controlling These issues like we really need to get people into government, because if we had people like us in government in Texas, this would never even be a it would never even be a question. The thing Um, is that guns
0: themselves are like not the issue. It's the people behind getting the gun. A gun can't do anything. On its own until somebody gets behind it and pulls the trigger so that is enough in itself that we need screenings we need laws and regulations before we just let people be out here willy-nilly with a gun or decide like one day i'm going to wake up and you know go and mass shoot people so i don't think it's going to be an impactful or a very good decision um i feel like texas in general the culture there is very volatile anyway so i just foresee like a lot more like killings i just see a lot more slaughtering um going on i would love to be proved wrong but it's just like i feel very weary about this new regulation or lack thereof of this
1: regulation ariana Texas has oh sorry go
3: ahead Um, what I was going to say is I feel like the fact that we have AK-47s in our home, the fact that we have AR-15s in our home is a ridiculous thing. Like, what I think, why don't we just have, like, those big guns at, like, a shooting range, and you rent it out, and that's how you get your your fun gun time for the day. You know what I mean? There's no reason you should ever need an automatic rifle, not even for for hunting. I don't care what you're doing. There's no reason behind it. Have a shotgun... Maybe have a shotgun in your house for protection, but nothing, nothing that, you know, that you'd see in a video game. It's nothing. This is real life, you know, and people are dying. And that is something that we really need to focus on.
1: And mental health is a huge issue. The fact that we don't have universal health care in this country as a superpower and we don't take care of our people's mental health. This is what is killing people. People are going crazy or born way, and they're getting their hands on weapons without checks. And now Texas wants to make it even easier for people to carry guns in public. These traffic violations, right, where people have the traffic stops and they they hit each other's cars, they have an accident, and somebody gets killed in the accident because somebody gets mad. Like, being mad at somebody for hitting your car is not a reason to shoot them. And so not allowing people to carry guns in public without a purpose and without a gosh darn piece of paper that says you're trained, like, come on now. And I think that we're all quite, quite consensus on this. Like we have, we came to a consensus, like Texas, get your stuff together. You guys don't need to have guns everywhere you go, especially not in malls and theaters and schools and churches, you know, that shekinah
0: i mean you've said what needs to be said i don't think we really have to beat that dead horse i mean it's just i don't know i don't know what the state of america in general is going to be i feel like this pandemic has allowed a lot of craziness to ensue and we are just like we're Subjects in this weird simulation. And I just hope that I survive. I hope y'all survive. May the odds ever be in our favor because you know it's feeling like the Hunger Games right now.
1: <laughs> For real, especially in Philly with a ho- over 170 gun deaths this year. It's May. That's 90 days, right? 30, 60, 90, no, 120 days, right? We've had over 160 gun deaths in Philadelphia alone. There is a problem. It's maddening. You go to the cemeteries and they're all fresh graves. It's it's saddening and Texas needs to get their stuff together. Okay. Point blank period of Well,
0: we have covered so much ground and it's only going to get more spicier, more juicier, more emotion. It's only going to get better, y'all. So thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to our wonderful audience. It's been real and we can't wait to see y'all for the next